0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Mark Douglas as we talk Newcastle United takeover, the ever-drawn-out saga, legal letters, Newcastle United, and everything in between. All that to come on the latest episode of the Everything Is Black and White podcast. So Mark, a busy few days for journalists covering Newcastle United, a busy few days for fans to keep on top of, we are recording this podcast on Friday, so the day before Newcastle faced Chelsea. Um, so we don't know the result. We're hoping it's a win, but um, there will be an, an after-game podcast covering whatever happens on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so listen in to that. We're here to talk about the latest developments with the takeover, as well as Steve Bruce's comments on Miguel Almirón's agent. We'll kickstart Mark with that letter, with that statement rather from Newcastle, United, which confirmed it started. Arbitration against the Premier League. When you read that statement, what was your initial thought? Um,
1: I I felt it was uh, a continuation of the kind of the Newcastle's um, sort of taking the fight a little bit to the Premier League. Um, you know, they they've obviously jumped on. It seems like social media posts that sort of claim to have some knowledge of what where the Premier League are thinking, um, and obviously. Also based on Newcastle United fan consortium uh, releasing the um, contents of a letter that was sent to them as well. Um, so Newcastle, you know, they, they've ignored plenty of things in the past, but they chose to they chose to to, to go in on this one. And I think that's partly because um, they want to make it clear that they're still fighting for the takeover because I think all sides want to show to the Saudi PIF that this is still viable. Because you know, let's be honest if they walk away and, you know, they might well do, you know, obviously they already have officially walked away. They might sort of dismiss it and think that there's no point in in sort of hanging on if they don't feel there's any viable path to getting this takeover done. So I think it's Mike Ashley's kind of sign to them that there's still something happening because he's desperate to sell it to to the Saudi PIF. You know, I know know in the past it's been kind of said, oh, well, he's not sure about Amanda that, but I just don't believe that. I think he's, desperate this deal, he knows this deal, makes him a lot of money at a time when football floods, you know, values will be, will be going, going down. Um, I think there was that element to it. I always think cynically there's a little bit of PR as well to keep Newcastle fans on side, you know, we're not far away from the January transfer window. Um, there's been a, a fair bit of dissatisfaction, I think, with, with how the teams perform this season, even though they're not, they're not doing too badly. And I think it's maybe a little bit of that um, he's got people around him who who know how to manipulate the narrative and I think there's a little bit of that as well to keep people's um, keep people's minds focused on the takeover. So mm-hmm. probably two things there but obviously I, I, I quite like it when these things happen because we've been banging on, haven't we, for months and months and months. When things have gone very quiet, we've been saying, you know, I think there's a few of us in the local media actually doing it, saying, look, this takeover is not dead um, and occasionally when things have gone very, very quiet, we get accused of, you just trawling the takeover because it's the only thing that, you know, it's clickbait and all this. And, you know, I, honestly, if we believed the story, with this story was dead, there was nothing left in this takeover, um, we wouldn't be flogging it, you know. It, we, I just wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't do that. We, we're not it's, not, it's not about that. We are reporting on it at the moment because we feel that there's something's there's still, I feel there's still another act play. I've said that since the start, you've said it. We, we, we've had so many of these conversations. Um, so I like the fact that it's out there publicly because now it does show that we're not, we're not, um, you know, we're, we're not sort of making it up.
0: Do you think Nick DeMarco's influence is playing a little bit here? Because many people were a bit surprised by that statement. You know, it, it was clear, it was precise, but it was, it was a statement from Newcastle United, and a lot of people are saying, Well, they, they very rarely say anything at all, and on such a big matter as well. It. I mean, it seemed a sensible thing to do to, to 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 put it out there to confirm it, but not to go into detail. And yet, it still it still took some people by surprise. Do you think that's the element of Mr. Demarco working his magic because he knows how this game plays out?
1: Um, I know. I, I I think it's to to be to be absolutely fair. What What's happened is I think Mike Ashley's come back into back onto the scene in the last few weeks. You know, he he was um he was in america um for most of the start of the pandemic i think he made some really bad judgement calls with his business right at the start of the pandemic you know um but he's come back onto the scene and I, and i i think when that happens you do sometimes see a flurry of kind of newcastle making sort of you know being quite quite forthright when he's here because they can be when he's not involved it feels like that everything has to go through six seven different layers of communications you know lee charnley um, you know, can't he can't make decisions without Mike Ashley or Justin Barnes or people above him? Um, you know, kind of giving them the okay. He can make certain decisions, but he, you wouldn't see Lee Charley giving a statement as forthright as that um, without Mike Ashley. Without Mike Ashley, say so. So it's just simply that he's around. I think. Um, I don't know, Nick, Nick Demarco. I I think. You know, I, I think I ran some quotes thing we are uh, by him this week, where, where from from podcasts that he's done, saying that most of his work's done confidentially, and and I think this is this is confidential. You know, I I, I think it's great to get it out, um, but we don't actually know exactly where we exactly where we stand at the moment. So could he be having a say? I mean, he clearly is. You know, publicity is a key thing. I think that he it, it's a big moment for him because it helps him. To build a reputation. I mean, he's been hired by. It won't. The fact that he he's got the Lionel Messi of sports law on his Twitter biography probably helps him get work from the likes of Mike Ashley. And Mike Ashley's a very lucrative client, isn't he? If he can win this one, if he can, if the takeover happens and he's played a part mm-hmm. in it, um, it just further solidifies his legend. It's probably the biggest case in terms of what's at stake that he's ever worked on. I mean, he's worked on some really big ones. But this probably in terms of you know with the Saudi element of it, with the amount of money at stake, Mike Ashley being one of the richest men in Britain. This is this this is the biggest thing he's he's worked on. So I think if it if it if it does happen, then you might see him talking and making the most of it as well. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I I think he's probably it's probably just as simple as Mike Ashley. Yeah, Mike Ashley likes chaos, doesn't he? He likes creating a bit of chaos. He will he will be he's relishing the fact that he's got a you know, he's not getting hammered anymore, he's getting He's got a common enemy with the Newcastle fans, and it's the Premier League and everything. He he knows that everything he, he puts out there, it's kind of hammering the Premier League is 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 making him popular. And he does want to be popular. You know, he's he's always kind of, I feel he's always he's always wanting to be popular. And he's he's made the bad mistakes he made because he he doesn't want to he doesn't want to um, he doesn't want to invest anything more in Newcastle financially or or emotionally, um, you know. And and that and that's probably where that's probably where he stands. And. You know, on this one occasion, I think Newcastle fans do stand behind him.
0: Now, obviously, we don't know what the arbitration is. We know it's about the dispute regarding the takeover. So this is a, more than a, an assumption or kind of a little bit of guesswork. What's the end goal, do you think, for Mike Ashley, for Newcastle? United? Is it a case that you think he's maybe seeing if he wins this, the takeover's going to go through? Or is it a case it knocks one obstacle down, but there's still a few to get over? Because... Hmm. You know, we, we know that the, the Saudi side are still interested, but if they're sitting there waiting... Because there were, there were a few whispers, weren't there, a few months ago where it was kind of, they'll come back only if they know 100% this will go through. Do you think, like, actually he's hoping that he wins the court case and that is the case? Well, if
1: it, it depends. I suppose, it, it, like we said, you know, because there's not a lot, a lot we know about this, it, it will depend what the what the terms of the arbitration are, but it seems to me as if the terms of the arbitration are um, something along the lines of conduct of the Premier League. So this is me putting two and two together, but I believe that, that Mike Ashley thinks that because, well, because everybody you speak to around the consortium believes that the, they believe that two things, one, that um, commercial partners of so being sports have had an, over, um, an oversized influence on thinking and secondly they believe that the top six teams or top four teams in the Premier League have also exerted influence on the league so whether that's true or not the Premier League obviously denied that Um, but that seems to be the the, the belief of Mike Ashley and the consortium so if that's the case if they're going on that and they win on that point then I would think that that probably then forces them to go back to do the owners and directors' tests again or look at a different way of looking at the owners and directors' tests, if you will. Um, it, it still seems like, you know, the, the, the point that they settled on was this one about the separation between Saudi state and the PIF. And if that's the case, then um, it have to be something around that to make any difference. Um, but I don't think it's going to... It, it's obviously he's not going to court to get the takeover through. It's the first stage of kind of releasing the logjam, if you will. But it could move really quickly after that because if the if they if he wins the arbitration, of course he could lose the arbitration, um. But if they win the arbitration, then potentially um, it opens the door for you know the owners and directors test to begin again, and maybe to have a different look at it. Um, bear in mind the Premier League always said that if they went to arbitration on the on this point even though they didn't agree that there was a separation there, if the arbitration found against them, they would accept that. So it's there. I mean, to me, it feels like, again, game playing around everything. Um, They're trying. There's all these different ways of trying to apply pressure to the Premier League, politically, legally. Um, The fans consortium, I don't think it's going to have a legal... I don't think it's going to legally win, but it's already made a difference in that letters us come it's forced Newcastle to do this so the PR side of it I think is is was something that they they've, they've got a little bit of that obviously doesn't necessarily make any difference but it's all about putting enough pressure on the Premier League for them to go back and revisit the decision um, and that probably um, you know that's been the strategy really from the start when, when this didn't happen they felt obviously they'd make a breakthrough didn't they um, in September uh, it didn't happen um, and now they're going for it again. You know, still feels a bit like a war of attrition to me. Um, but yeah, that seems to be the idea: is a pincer movement of pressure on the Premier League, and for them to then compromise and sort of start to start to talk and see if there is any way to kind of unblock this um, this 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 uh, this logjam.
0: The question, though, over the separation, and we've we've talked about it before, but it is an important one. And when the Crown Prince's picture is on pif 's website and it's you know under the guidance is, is is the phrase and it's a little pyramid of leadership and he's at the top some would argue and i kind of i'm on that kind of path sort of that it is quite hard to argue that they are separatists i mean what would you say to, to those who who make that point
1: um yeah well it's i mean that's obviously the point that the Premier League ended, ended up making, but the representations from the saudi the Saudi court are that they've you know they've got uh, I think they came with a letter from the highest the highest um body in Saudi Arabia whether that was whether that was the 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 um MBS himself I'm not sure but it, it probably wouldn't have been too far away from that saying that there is a degree of separation there. So I suppose it's just it's not a society like a Western society. It's not, you know, it it, it just doesn't work that way. So are you looking for a Are you looking for a transparency um, that, that maybe just doesn't exist in Saudi society at the moment? You, you you probably are. I mean, I doubt that Mohammed, you know, Mohammed bin Salman is going to be involved in any way with Newcastle United when it when it comes. You know, you might see. You know, I'm sure for PR purposes, he, he might. You know, there might be some something might happen. Obviously, he turned up at the Joshua. Fury fight, yeah, the Joshua uh, Ruiz fight. Sorry, in, in uh, this time last year, but but he wasn't involved. He wasn't involved in it. Um, I mean, look, we're dealing with yeah, you know, God, um, it's way above my pay grade to know exactly what, what 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 the situation is. But I would say that you know, how is it that how is it that they're allowed to um, invest in other things? It's not a relevant point to the point that you just made. But how? If Mohammed bin Salman is the um, is the it, it, you can't take BIF away from Mohammed bin Salman, and he's got a, an overarching influence on it, then you know it, they'll never be able to um, they'll never ever be able to um, own a football club in in England. But I think they're going to argue that look, there is you know look he's not involved. They would argue he's not involved in the titular head of the PIF He's never involved. Um, he doesn't sit on the board. It's Yasser Al who who is involved, um, and that's and that's that, that. You know, basically, they'll say, "Look, this this is a separate sovereign wealth fund that doesn't have anything to do with him." He might sit on the board. He might, so he might sit, sit as the head of it, but that's that's more of a kind of like you know, it, it, he's not involved day to day in the in the investment decisions. Um, so he wouldn't be involved in any way. He's not going to start. He's not going to start. He put an appoint. Maritio Pochettino, is he? You know, it's it's that, that's just not the case. So getting right into the devil of the detail, and this is what this is what happened. But like I said last week, and I think, you know, I just felt that if it wasn't that, it would have been something else with the Premier League. They didn't feel like they wanted to get it done. I don't think the consortium always were as rigorous in the way that they approached it as they could have been. It was an assumption, I think, that it was gonna get done, um, which obviously didn't happen. And I think all parties need to really go back and reassess how the summer went, and including the Premier League, because I think the Premier League put up too many hurdles. I think the consortium felt that they could talk it through sometimes, and that wasn't the case. Um, and maybe they just need to just need to realise that this is a deal that the public of Newcastle want, the buyer wants, the seller wants. Um, it, it, it just seems weird to me that it that it. You know, there's no compromise, no way that the two sides can sit around the table. Uh, you know, is there not a, is there not a special, you know, could you not do something in terms of a special case in that if they do believe that the state are getting involved in Newcastle United, then there's a penalty clause and they they relinquish control of the football club. Something like, I don't know, you know, it seems bizarre to me that this, this is a deal that all parties want. You know, and I know we go through the human rights element, we talk that to death, um, but you know, I think it's pretty clear from the conversations that I have with Newcastle fans that everybody wants this deal to happen. You know, I, I, I have my reservations about human rights and things like that, obviously, but um, I want the deal to happen. Everybody wants the deal to happen. So it seems bizarre that there's no compromise that you could that you could come to at all. Um, and I suppose that's what keeping this alive is all, is all about.
0: So what has to happen next? Do you think what's your, your gut telling you? And is it? I mean, is it optimistic for Newcastle fans to, to obviously see that statement from the club and to hear that the club are following through on their, you know, their threat of arbitration?
1: Um, I think, I think Yeah, I think uh, so. Arbitration comes next. You have to win that case, um, and then um, we're, we're assuming that it's Premier League arbitration. By the way, there is no, there is no official statement yet. And probably a good thing that there isn't because if anything leaks out from the Newcastle end, it potentially does them in a tricky position, you know, as you can see from the um from the uh, statement by Mike Ashley that uh that, well you know, by Newcastle but it was by Mike Ashley really, that, that it is, you know, confidentiality is 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 king really and and uh, Mike Ashley and Newcastle are trying to maintain as much of that as they can. They're pretty good at that. You know, there's a lot of occasions where they've maintained confidentiality where they didn't need to. Um but they they they're pretty good at that. And so I don't think we'll hear, you know. I don't think we'll hear too much more until until it's done. Um, there's, a, there's a hope that it could be done before Christmas. Um, seems unlikely to me um, that the arbitration would happen before Christmas. Of course, you know they could lose this. They could lose the arbitration, you know, and and then and then it really, really leaves them with not too not too many places to go. But um, it, that that's the next step. And then I think probably it probably. You know, I, I, I kind of in my head, it, based on nothing really, apropos of nothing, I've got kind of March as the deadline for something decisive to happen. Because um, I think you, if you're looking at, it, it'll be almost, January was when the story first broke, wasn't it? So we're almost coming up to a year of that. April was when they got into our owners and directors. I think, you know, I, I, I sort of feel like if arbitration happens and they win, and they find a compromise, could you be under new owners by March? potentially, but you know, I think I'll ahead of myself there. Um, there's still so many unknowns, um, but this has still got, um, still got distance to run.
0: Just a quick word on Richard Masters before we got into Miguel Almiron. Um, so on Friday, the chair of the uh, Department for Culture, Media and Sport, the committee that Richard Masters was in front of um, last week and cast United fans tuned in in the hope that takeover would be mentioned, it wasn't. But the, the chair, Julian Knight, has has sent a letter. Um, I'll read a little snippet of it because it's quite interesting. We're disappointed that you have not yet come to an agreement that will ensure the survival of football clubs. We are beginning to doubt whether there is enough leadership to make that happen. That's quite a strong, um, a strong point to be making from the committee to Richard Masters. And uh, you know, many fans, Castle United fans, have looked upon that and they have kind of put it together with what happened at Newcastle and are questioning. Mm-hmm. You know the future for masters at the Premier League.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, obviously he's he's appointed by the Premier League, so um, the Premier clubs, obviously, all were um, the ones who ones who um, appointed him. So the the, the the MPs don't have any any say over over whether he comes or goes or or, or whatever. So his paymasters are the clubs, you know, which is which has been a bone of contention, hasn't it, for a lot of Newcastle fans because. It's pretty clear that he's without the without their support of the top six, then he would be he wouldn't be in that job because they're the, they're the ones who they're the ones who hold hold him there. I mean, it's pretty damning stuff, isn't it? He's had a very torrid start to this to his um, to his time in the Premier League. Um, I remember speaking to the trust when he answered; and they said he was very forthright with them about, this, about the Newcastle takeover. Um, Obviously, they obviously answered a lot of the questions. What, what I've never liked about 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 this whole thing is how much secrecy there is around it. Um, and you know that that letter implies that you know the the, the, um, the people who people who are scrutinised what they do also believe that the you know the Premier League need better procedures. And I think that's clear from the takeover. I mean, they've said it themselves that they need to do to do things differently, but a hundred percent. You know that was not handled well in the summer, all at all. Um, and you know the bailout doesn't seem to be either. You know it's it's ticking on now. Um, we're getting into the end of we're getting to the start of December. There's a lot of clubs lower down the pyramid in massive trouble, um, and the Premier League, if it can, has to reach a bail, has has to reach some kind of agreement. But the fact that they can't again suggests that you know. It needs better leadership structures. The Premier League it needs needs more people involved. It's 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 such a high-profile organisation, um, you know, and it's possible to feel sorry for Richard Masters in a way because because it, it, you know he's got a lot on his plate. Um, but you know, I think given the way that the, the takeover was 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 mishandled, um, I don't think there'll be too many in, on Tyneside feeling too sorry for him.
0: Just a quick word then on the Belgrade Nova Group. Um, <laughs> I mean. Their their attempt to buy Newcastle United really couldn't have gone much worse for them.
1: I mean, you know, this just about sums up the takeover land, as I call it, kind of this fantasy world that a lot of people um, inhabit. A lot of people who, um, you know, there's there's an awful lot of people out there who will tell you they're trying to buy a football club or they know somebody who's got the money to buy one. Um, You know, and in this case, that's exactly what's happened. You know what on earth they were thinking? They didn't ever have the money. They never had the money in the first place to to, to come in and buy Newcastle United. They deliberately, in my opinion, went in very low—70 million less, or, or 25 million less than the asking price, because um, they knew that wasn't going to be. Well, I don't know. I'm just, I it felt like mm-hmm. they knew that was never going to happen. Got them a load of publicity, um, but as it's turned out, publicity that hasn't worked particularly well for them because. They've now they've uncovered a whole load of um, uh, controversy, uh, and now it looks like one of the two cousins has actually left Singapore. His fellow cousins talking about betrayal. Um, you know, not heard anything from Michael Chopra since he was berating people who were saying it wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, just a mess from start to finish. <laughs> the day it came out, it just didn't smell right at all. You know, the and then they start talking about. And Shearer, Cristiano Ronaldo, you just felt like these people don't know what they're talking about. And you know, it's it, I mean, even three or four weeks ago they were talking about we are still in talk to buy it, and it was just like just go away. It's nonsense, absolute nonsense. And um, you know, I feel for I feel for anybody who's got involved in that in 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 good faith, but you know, you can't buy a football club if you if you haven't got the money. Um and there's too many people involved who, who seem to want publicity or, you know, I mean, let's not even talk about Henry Morris. I mean, what was that about? Um, just, just nonsense, isn't it? Bin Zayed, though, you know, like our mates at Bin Zayed, it looks like they're actually going to buy a football club. Um, but, you know, obviously didn't have the money to go and buy, new, uh, buy Newcastle United. But who knows what these people get out of it? I mean, why we've, why we've kind of talked so much about Saudi, because it's clear that they have the money to buy a football club the first group, in my opinion, who actually do have the money to buy it. um Zayed never did. Um, that story should have been, you know, should never have been as big a deal as it was, I don't think, because it just wasn't clear that they were, you know, it was, it was fun for a day to speculate about it, I'm sure, but it, it was never realistic. Never. In my opinion, anyway, it was never realistic.
0: On to... Miggy, Almiron, then, now, like we say, we are recording this before the Chelsea game. I mean, he's arrived back late on Thursday night anyway, so the chances of him starting, uh, they don't look very high. But you never know, he might do something magical and score a hat-trick. Again, chances of that aren't very high either. But if he does, you know, maybe the conversation we'd be having now, or the conversation you'd be listening to might be a bit different. However, let's talk about Almiron's future, Mark. We've spoken before about the position he's been playing and he's not effective, et cetera, et cetera. But the comments of his agent this week, you know, took that conversation to overdrive. And then Steve Bruce's reaction to those comments. Um, speaking to Lee Ryder, who was in the, the press conference on Friday, he said no one expected to be that feisty. Um, Steve Bruce's response, you know, calling the agent to Bob agents in a, a, a very amateur Unbelievable response from Bruce, who was clearly annoyed by the by the comments made by Hamirun's uh, agent.
1: Yeah, I'm really surprised actually that it's come out so strong. I mean, um, you know, it's the same agent that they dealt with in the first place. Um, although, you know, I I, I understand that the uh, the deal was not very was not an easy one to do in the first place. There were a lot of fees and a lot of things you know, they were asked for in the first place. And obviously it was Rafa who pushed that deal through, wanted it desperately. So Newcastle sort of went and did and did the deal in the end. I think they argued Daniel Campos down from quite a lot that he was asking. So maybe there is a bit of ill will from the club towards him still there. I I'm not I'm not sure. I d I I wasn't under that impression. I think they know that um should we put it how do we put it nicely? That some of the stuff around Almiron has probably come from Campos about him not being happy in the way that he's he's playing. So there's obviously anger there. But, you know, was it clever for Steve Bruce to do? Because, you know, these players, they don't, I mean, he's going to, obviously he's going to talk to Miggie Almiron. And I'm sure Almiron will sort of say to him, you know, oh, well, it had nothing to do with me. My agent said it, but that's an agent who he's been with for a long time and has from Miguel Miro's perspective, he's got him from out of the MLS into the Premier League, and he'll owe him a lot. It, there'll be a bond there between the two of them. You know, it's not, you know, we, we see it all time and time again. It's like, you know, Man United fans are sort of saying, well, what, I can't remember who it was, actually, who Who was the agent of, um, uh, who was it? It was the guy at Liverpool, wasn't it? He was, whose agent was sort of coming out and saying all the time, like, I want, you know, he's got to go. And, you know, you get all these agents and and the manager says, well, why has the player got him? Why has the player got him? From the player's perspective, he's doing his job. He's promoting his client. He's talking about what, what he might do. And, you know, Steve Bruce has taken a big, in my opinion, quite a big, it's been a big call really to go after the agent like that. Because the player, you know, at the end of the day, Newcastle United are his current employers but is the agent the one who's kind of got him to this stage? Is there a bond there? You know, they've always looked pretty close when I've seen pictures of them. Um, maybe that, maybe that's not the case anymore. I'm not sure, but um, it was a strong, strong statement. I mean, they obviously took their headlines from what they might have been, which is that last time out, of Newcastle, were absolutely, you know, um, terrible. So, you know, it was, it was the most supine performance I've ever seen. Um, well not that I've ever seen because I've seen a few bad ones but it, was, but it was bad wasn't it it was really bad against Southampton but now we're all talking about Miguel Amiron so I mean a bit of a risk I think from, from Bruce um, they've got him under a long term contract so I never felt like you know the, the agent could talk all he wants about trying to, about him going but Atletico Madrid aren't going to buy him I don't think Inter Milan are necessarily going to go in and buy him as, as well I think the agent's made it been foolish because he's talked about clubs that I don't think are going to go and buy Miguel Almirón, and um, I don't think there's a massive market for Miguel Almirón if I'm being honest in January and, and even beyond, unless he starts really stepping up. I I think Bruce has probably taken the calculated gamble that look, there isn't a lot of people coming in for you at the price that we would ask. So just get on with it, kind of thing. And 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 Campos has probably not realised that he's probably you know probably sees Alm, uh, um, Almirón as being um, the biggest the biggest client that he's got and a big name in Paraguay but you know okay he played well against Argentina the other day but there'll be a lot of Premier League you know the Premier League scouting departments will be really clear on on Almiron good player but he doesn't score enough goals doesn't have enough of an impact in games to be a Man United Man City Arsenal Liverpool player you know he's not at that level so where does he go because you know maybe abroad like you say but I don't know whether he's noticed Daniel Campos but La Liga clubs have been selling players and cutting wages um same with Serie A it's really only the Premier League where the money um, the money is still being spent so I think he's you know I think he's he's made a big mistake but then again has Bruce you know gone in quite hard and called him too Bob amateurish it's like it's not you know it's not going I I think it's a strong strong statement and um it might it probably won't be forgotten if um if somebody does come in for him and if they're looking for, a, you know, to negotiate a new contract. But he Bruce obviously thought, well, I can't have this. And, and he's a strong character, Bruce. You know, where you'll see him you see him with journalists sometimes really going back. I mean, he's not somebody you'd want to cross particularly particularly, um, quickly. But um, yeah, strange all around. Why Campos has said it, I don't know. And then why Bruce has gone in quite so strong, I don't know. It was a proper old-fashioned tabloid blast, wasn't it? It was a blast, as we call it. It definitely was. Um, so yeah, I mean, weird situation. Let's hope that the players um, players focus isn't isn't taken off it too much. I mean, it, it places unnecessary pressure, I think, on on Almir on um, ahead of um, ahead of a, a sort of crucial run of games.
0: Now, last time you were on the podcast, Mark, you mentioned Benitez, and I asked you about Derby, and you said, you know, no, you don't think you go there. Come back under a under new as in a shot, and then he went on to bc Five Live and pretty much said just that. So he must have been listening to you, I think. What did you make of his comments? Because he was directly asked about Newcastle um, and he didn't rule out a possible return. He mentioned the takeover and the potential that the club has under new owners. And some people might say, well, I don't believe in coincidences, uh, coincidences considering you've got the legal proceedings with Newcastle confirming that you've got the Saudis then coming out and or briefing and saying oh, we're still interested. And then you have Benitez going on the radio and saying, hmm, you never know what the future holds, kind of thing. Um yeah. do you believe in coincidences? Um no, I don't I
1: don't, I don't think I had anything to do with, with what happened. Um I think he was just I think Rafa Benitez is is smart, knows that he needs to keep his profile high while he's in China at the moment. You know, he said you know, I think the noises that he's made over the years, uh, over the year and a bit that he's been in China, have increasingly, I think, made it clear that he sees his future in England. His family are all here. Advertising his availability to clubs by doing those kind of interviews is is smart from from Benitez's point of view. He's always a good interview. i uh, back a few memories, listen to him talk about uh, things in, in China and, and beyond. Um, and I think, you know, you, you've got to say he's 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 clever kind of dangling that possibility. You know, he, he would come back, I said he would come back in a shot um, when I spoke to people in the summer uh, about it, it. People, you know, that the people involved in the consortium are close to Benitez and they were saying it's not as a non star because he's got a big contract at at, um, at uh, Dalian Pro and he, he won't come back yet. You know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be something we'd look at and they were talking about potentially Bruce who's been given a bit of a chance. Um, so yeah, I I I he wouldn't come back to Derby because it's not a big enough job for him. Um and I think that he would probably wait for a kind of Southampton, Newcastle, um, something along those lines to come back to. You know, he knows he's probably got no chance in the top four at the moment because they've they've all got jobs, but he, he would he would maybe think about an Arsenal or somebody like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, no, I, I don't think it had anything to do with the, with the takeover. It says he's not he's not been given it. you know, look, let's put it this way, the people involved in the consortium, he would know if it was going to happen. So I can see why people, I can see why people think that. But by the same token, um, I don't think he, he know, he's mentioned it because he knows it's going to happen anytime soon. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, there we have it, Mark. Thanks for sharing your insight. Um, like we say, we've recorded this before the Chelsea game. So if you scroll down in the podcast channel, you'll see the post-game Chelsea podcast. There's also a podcast from Lee Ryan discussing uh, that legal challenge from Newcastle and much, much more. In the meantime, keep safe and thank you very much for tuning in.